Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Well, if you'll open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 1 today, I want to I want to break down, of course, a very power, powerful portion of Scripture. And, and as you know, every week I, I really spend time really seeking God over. And, and, and for young pastors, to, I teach them that. You know, 75% of, of sermon preparation is knowing what God is speaking to you for the church. And so that's where I spend most of my time is just really laboring over that, to hear what God is speaking. What does God want to speak to us as a church? And God has been very, very faithful to me to, to speak to us um, and, and to give that. So God had me camp on Psalm 1, and I wasn't 100% sure about that, as you'll see. Uh, but as we go through it this morning, I just really feel like, that, folks, we're in a, we're in a time where as we as Christians, we, we have to settle some things in our heart. We have to, we have to dig in. We have to entrench and prepare for these times, these difficult times. And, you know, and it's all, of course, a matter of perspective. Um, and so, you know, I've never been one to give, you know, a, a kind of message that is, is always up and always, always happy and, and, and whatnot. Because I really feel like when we approach the house of God, it talks about come soberly, come in a way ready to listen. What is God speaking to us? So that we can, we can uh, come in and gain wisdom and grow and be prepared and be loaded for what God wants us to do, loaded with truth. And so as we look at Psalm 1 today, I want to break this down, and um, it, it gets deep. And so as you'll see, it's going to dig into us a little bit, which is good. We need, we need some digging into us, don't we? We need God to, to get into who we are and, and to help us find the way, to find his way. And so let's just begin. And for the sake of time this morning, I'm not going to read all the way through it. I'm just going to, it's, it's a psalm you're very familiar with, but I'm just going to break it down verse by verse. And so here we go. The scripture says in Psalm chapter 1, it says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. In our first section here, he's talking about blessing. And last week I talked about this out of Psalm 23, and that one of the things that we need to understand that as believers is that when we accept Jesus Christ into our life, we come into blessing. The scripture says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So the whole idea of God's favor is a settled issue. When you look at the Old Testament, God's favor was conditional in, in, in that if you would follow him, if you did what he was, wanted uh, to do, if you listened to his voice and you followed his ways, then you would be blessed. But if you didn't, of course, you wouldn't be. And so that still exists. But as a Christian, you've got to understand that what Jesus did on the cross is he fulfilled the requirements of the law. He ushers us into what Paul describes as the, a, a Sabbath rest from our efforts. We no longer have to earn that. We no longer have to, we have to strive over gaining the favor of God. We have it. When Jesus said, and he died on the cross and said, it is finished, 
It was delivered to us, and it's a wonderful gift. And we walk in that. And, and really, we spend our whole lives continuing to convince ourselves of that fact and walking that way. And Paul, of course, uses very many images you know, to, to help us see that adoption. He talks about you know, us being children and understanding who we are. And so, really, that is one of the greatest revelations a Christian can get is just that understanding that, man, he loves us, he's for us, Jesus, he, he fixed it all, and now we can come boldly before his throne of grace, not cowering, not wondering if we're going to get burned up if because there's some sin we forgot about, but that we can come boldly before his throne of grace, receive help in our time of need. So when we go back... We're not being anachronistic. We're not taking New Testament truths and trying to force them into the Old Testament, but the Old Testament still has, and what David was, was seeing is something that still applies. And so it's, it's amazing that the, what, what we call this, this doctrine of the favor of God is, is, is shown to us right here and how we uh, interact with it. It says, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. So I want us to understand that we're starting in this blessing but yet we can forfeit that blessing. We can walk out from under it. Now that, that's, that's important for you to understand, Christian. Because when we read the New Testament, we do get that real amazing sense of the favor of God, and we can walk in that. But Paul cautions us. Just lost our lights. I guess that was for effect. <laughs> Boom, there we're back. <clears throat> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Pause for effect. Um, but we can, we can walk out uh, from under it. And, and so what we're seeing here in Psalm 1 is, is going to be a very practical breakdown of that. David saw it. And so he says, look, blessed is the man who does not. And I want you to catch that. Because it, it's kind of a reversal of, of, of what you would expect to hear. It'd be blessed to the man who just does everything God tells you to do. And that would make more sense to us, wouldn't it? So what I'm trying to point out here is that it's amazing that David was kind of seeing what the New Testament was going to be. And of course we know that, that the Psalms are, are, are very prophetic, that David was seeing images of, of, of Christ. And so we see this in Psalm 1. He's saying, so he's talking about it. He said, look, blessed is the man who avoids certain things. So what that tells me is, is that that supports this idea that, man, we've got the favor of God, but yes, we can walk away from it. So you're catching my drift here? You're following this? Okay, so with that in mind, let's look at Psalm 1 from that perspective. And he's saying, so he says, look, you're blessed, but this is what blessed people don't do. <laughs> This is what they try to avoid. And, and so what he gives us is, is three words. He talks about walking, standing, and sitting. Every posture, which is really interesting as we break it down. So he says that do not walk or join in. See, these different postures also have different perspectives of how we re- interact with the evil that takes place around us. The first level is those who walk in the counsel of the wicked. In other words, we're listening to what the wicked is saying and, and, and we walk with them. We say, you know, I mean, I, w- I wish I could illustrate this and just say, yeah, man, they, you know, that's interesting that you would tell me that. So I, I'm, I'm going to go with you and follow the things that you're talking about 
And now what I want to do here is I, I really want to be careful not to get into too many specifics because, folks, you're reading what's in the news today, aren't you? And I do not want to rail so much on our culture today and get spitting and shouting about different things that are taking place. But, I mean, you can read in the Scripture the challenges that we have with morality. The challenges of, of where really this, what the Scripture says very clearly is more than ever just pounding, going head-to-head with what our culture is now, not only just saying in the dark corners, but now it's being trumpeted and brought out right there in front of us. Our universities are teaching our young people to, you know, to discount the Bible completely, that it's just fictional, that it, and nothing inside it is, is true. And so, you know, I, I've got some, you know, from time to time, students that go off to college, they write me and they say, man, I, I, don't, I, I don't know what's going on here, and I'm, I'm really feeling myself falter because this incredibly intelligent, celebrated person is up there teaching me and telling me that the Bible no longer is, it, it, it's fantasy, it's myth. And I can, I can just see, and I wish I could reach out there and just help them. But, the, the, but what I tell them, every one of them is this, look, the, the Bible's a faith book. It's not a science book. It's not a book on sociology. It's a faith book. And, and unless you have the Holy Spirit inside you, unless you, you begin in faith, it's, it's not going to make much sense. And you can pick apart anything, can't you? I mean, you can look at Mount Everest and begin to doubt whether it exists if you really want to. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Doubt can come into anything if you just give it time. If that is your beginning place, it's just going to say, yeah, you know, I don't like that, and I don't think that really exists. And Yeah, the mountain on that side of the, the snow on that side of the mountain, that that just really shouldn't be there. And so just picking apart the Scripture is what we're finding in our culture more and more and more and more. And so what I want you to catch here, which is so important, is that God has blessing in store for God's people. But we can forfeit that blessing when we walk in the counsel of the wicked, when we start to listen to what they're saying, and we get influenced by that. As we begin to walk with them, that we actually are walking away from God's favor. It's important that you catch that. So much more I want to say on this, and I will over the coming weeks and months. And it says, nor stand, and I write here, to observe and approve with interest in the path of sinners. So there are those who are walking along with them. It's pretty clear that they're going along the path with the wicked. And then, but then there's this other one that's just standing in the path. They're not walking along, but they're just standing. And I wrote, observing and approving with interest. So they're up on the road and say, you know, I'm not ready to co- totally throw in with what they're doing, but, you know. This is pretty interesting. I enjoy kind of watching. And they're not, and, and, and that person that we're speaking that, that is standing in the way is not saying what is happening on this way among the wicked is wrong. And that's why David, by the Holy Spirit, is, is pointing this out. He's saying, yes, it's pretty obvious those that are walking in that way are going to forfeit blessing. But even those who are standing there and approving, you may not be engaging in it, but you're saying, it's okay. You've got to catch that part. Because that is really where our culture is right now. 
There are not a lot of people necessarily engaging in, engaging in the kind of, 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 of sin and wickedness that, we, that has, is clearly settled in Scripture, but now it's, it's cool to approve. It's cool and fashionable to be able to sit back and say, well, it's okay. It's okay. You know, everybody has their own journey. And so he's saying, yeah, when, even when you're standing in the way of the wicked, you're going to forfeit blessing. It's important we catch that. And he says, nor even sitting in the seat of scoffers. Now, if you've got my notes, I, you know, a little funny here, nor sitting with a bag of popcorn in the seat of scoffers. So you can still forfeit the blessing of God even if you're sitting there observing and, wow, this is pretty amazing. And, you know, and, and what could that be? Well, you know, isn't it amazing that, our, that our, in the last, I don't know how many years it's been, probably 20, that this voyeuristic entertainment that, we, that is all of our TV now, have you noticed that? It's all about just watching people live life. Because there is this, this um, curiosity inside us. And, and, we're being, and, and we're being played. See, everybody wants to know what's happening in their neighbor's home. But it used to be you could never know what was going on in your neighbor's home. And it was better left not knowing what was going on in your neighbor's house. Well, now you can turn on the TV and you can know Exactly what's going on in your neighbor's house. And it's weird. And it's different. And now, of course, there are some groups out there or some you know, producers and whatnot, they're, they're taking advantage of that and just saying, well, look, if you can't beat them, join them and try to, and try to use it to, to a positive advantage. And so, I mean, I, you know, so that's why I don't just kick TV in general. I mean, you've got to see that culture is culture, and the gospel works through that any culture and any kind of technology. I mean, God used the Roman roads. He uses the Internet. He does. And so, we, so we're in this situation where we're observing, watching. And God says that even in that, you can forfeit the blessing of God. That even though you may say, well, I've never participated. I've never done that. I've never associated myself with that. And God is saying, look, God knows the heart. God knows what's going on on our inside. And that's really super important. Because if we can get into this Christianity that is only on what we can observe and see in our character, but not really what's going on. Really, like my wife, what Andrea likes to say in our, in, into our kids in our home is like, look, your character is measured by what you do when nobody's watching. Not by what everybody thinks they see. And so what we see happening in Psalm 1 here is, is, is just God just really getting specific, saying, look, if you're walking in, well, that's pretty obvious. You're walking in the counsel of the wicked, but, or if you're just standing in the way, but even just sitting and watching in the seat of the scoffer. And it's interesting that it gets to the place of scoffer because what he's trying to say here, folks, is that in time, when you watch this enough, you begin to scoff yourself. That doubt begins to creep in. It begins to wear away at our resolve because truth even though it can be held on to conviction, I've seen even the strongest of Christians, people that have grown up and been saturated in it, I've, I've watched pastors begin to, begin to um, wane in their conviction. They begin to doubt what they've been taught. 
And, 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 and of course, you know, the, the epitome, if I could say it that way, of the most intelligent people on our planet who call evil good and good evil, yet they're still celebrated as an incredibly intelligent people. Well, God says, a fool says there is no God. And it's not any more complicated than that. There's no formula. You can't find that necessarily in quantum physics. It's just true. And God said it. So blessing. You know, what is blessing? How do you know that anything in our life is blessing? I thought about that long and hard. And this is what I came to. It has peace. It comes with peace. So it's funny to me that a lot of people, I hear people talking from time to time, oh, what a blessing. Is it really? Is it really? Because sometimes the things that we think are blessings are eating our lunch. And they have nothing to do with being experiencing joy and peace. And so, Christian... If you're looking to find the way of God, if you're looking to avoid the path of the wicked, whether you're going to be walking in it or standing in it or sitting next to it, observing it and maybe applauding it, is it bringing you peace? Is it bringing you peace in your daily journey? Is it bringing you peace in in your observation, in your associations? Is it bringing you peace in the quiet times of your life? What happens when no one's ever watching? That's how you can know. You're walking in blessing. And no one, not, not a single person in this room can really verify that to you necessarily. Only you and I know what brings us peace. And when you try to get into the, you know, the peace verification plan, that's not good. Church can't do that. You can't tell another person, you know, one way or the other, unless it's obvious gross sin. But each one of us have have to, in our relationship with Jesus, have to ask ourselves that question. Is what I'm doing, is what I'm thinking, is what I'm, I'm, I'm approving and walking, is it a blessing to me? Does it bring me peace? Is there an absence of blessing in my life? See, that's what I'm really after as your pastor. That's really what I feel most motivated to really ask you. Because we do walk in this amazing place of God's favor and blessing. If we're not enjoying it, then there's likely something that we have done to step away. Okay? That we're stepping away from it in, in some way. And that's what this, you know, this psalm is telling us. So we broke that down. Listening and acting upon the counsel of the wicked. Standing in the path of sinners. Not just walking on it but approving, sitting in the seat of scoffers, those who scorn or mock. You know, and and that's everywhere today, everywhere. Constant scorn of all things God. Notice it covers, as I said, all postures of involvement. This pattern points to the progression of sin that if you look at it in, in reverse, that is something you really need to catch. Let's switch that around. And you want to see how you can get to a place where you begin uh, or you're, you're, you're slowly but surely moving away from the blessing of God and enjoying his peace and his favor. Well, let's reverse this system that, that, that was laid out for us. It starts with sitting and observing. 
That's where it starts. It starts with you just looking and saying, hmm, that's interesting. What are they doing? Why, are they, why do they think that way? They seem to be happy. They seem to be enjoying. Some of these people that are people that I've joined my heart with. Some of these people are family. Some of these people are people that, that are celebrated and I really enjoy. And so we just sit with a bag of popcorn just watching. And in our heart, slowly but surely, we begin to, our, our truth system begins to be dismantled. And then after that, of course, is standing, getting closer to it. And then finally, actually walking along. So if you want to know how the progression of getting out of the favor and blessing of God, that, that's where it begins. It's right, clear and simple to us. Nobody ever just overnight just wakes up deceived, ever. It starts with curiosity, moves to, to observation, and then finally to participation. Let's move on with the scripture here. It says here, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So we've got what, what happens and how we can forfeit the blessing of God, but in converse, you know, in, in opposed to this and how we can stay in it is delighting in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. Very simple. Do you want the solution, my friend? to how you can continue to walk in the peace of God, that how you can experience the favor of God in your marriage, in your children's lives, with your money, the hope of your future, the confidence that comes in God, the assurance of your salvation, the hope of your eternity. Do you want to know how that is solidified in concrete inside you? Is by delighting in the word of God. By keeping that word of God, that completely makes sense. Because it's exactly what the enemy, the enemy knows exactly what the strategy is, my friends. And that is he wants to go after the truth. Take the Bibles out of, the, out of society. Take prayer out of schools. Come up to children and say you can't pray. Uh, a kid was banned because it was heard that he, he wanted to pray during his graduation. He said, well, then don't show up. Just, just don't come. See, it used to be that, that, that those who did, were opposed to God would just sit back and just be quiet and just say, well, our time is coming. In their minds, their time has come. And so that now God's people are the ones who look, or we, we look like we're crazy. We look like we're the intolerant ones. It looks like that more and more we're the ones who, it's just like, you know what? Society will finally come to purity when these Christians would just stop reading that Bible. If they would just stop reading this Bible, then we would no no longer have to deal with the Judeo-Christian mess. And therefore, society could then go on to this higher consciousness, to this nirvana of life. Do you not think that a society has experienced this ever before? over and over and over again. Do we think that we have achieved some kind of higher thing that we can beat the system, not the system, but beat the ways of God? Do you want to survive? Do you want to make it through this time? Delight in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And what I want to do is I want to show you is that Look, we're not talking about battle. We're not talking about confronting a system that we cannot win. The only way you as a Christian can win in our times 
is to enjoy the blessing of God. When all hell breaks loose, walking through the water and not drowning, walking through the fire and not being burned, walking during any time in history, you'll watch it. God's people, man, favoring, (laughs) blessing. Everybody else's crops are failing. God's people, no, man, we're good. Everybody else's bank accounts are disappearing. Oh, no, we, you know, God spoke to us and we were prepared. The blessing of God, the favor of God. And how do you stay in that place? Two things. One, don't mess around with their thinking, but meditate on the word of God. Meditate, think about, apply. See, this is, this is so very important because you could just shoot past that word meditation. And we're not talking om, you know, putting your your hand on the Bible and just meditating on the Word of God. No, you got to open it. You got to read it. And you got to think about it. Om has nothing to do with it. It's reading the words and thinking about the words and applying the words to your life. That's what he's talking about. That's pure and simple. Just saying, hmm, I really want to chew that person out right now. I'm angry. Really mad. But I remember reading in Proverbs this morning that a fool gives full vent to their anger. Is this one of those moments? Ding, 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 ding. Johnny, tell him what he's won. Yes. And the Holy Spirit's there just saying, look, you put truth inside you. And now this is one of those moments when you can apply because you've meditated on that truth. And now you've got a, you've got a situation where that truth can then help you. The Holy Spirit has got the, the information, has got the firepower to help you maintain and stay in the blessing of God. You see? Meditate. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Of course, in the Old Testament, they refer to it as law, which can be, for us as Christians, you know, a little standoffish, especially if you're familiar with the book of Romans. But the law really is interchangeable just with the word of God. What the, un, the, old, the, 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 the Jews understood as the word of God was the law. It was given to them, presented to them. We have a new law, and the new law is Christ. The law of love, the law of grace, and that's interchangeable, easily done. So the word of God definitely is key, isn't it? Let's move on. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does prospers. You know, this is, of course, my favorite part of this psalm. And so if we break this down, the tree is the consummate example of a mature Christian. The tree. And and, and even more so, the oak tree. You ever seen one of those big oak trees, 200-year-old oak trees? We were just, uh, the elders and uh, the pastors, we had a retreat just for an overnight deal, and and, and at the center, they had these big, huge oak trees just everywhere. And there was one in particular that was sitting on the side of a hill, and we just looked at it, and I just said, you know, that, look at it. I mean, a lot of oak trees around were, you know how oak trees in time can get punished by the elements, you know, struck by lightning, hurricanes come through, take off major branches, and they just look kind of ugly, scraggly, but man, they're still standing there. And then there was this one that was just full and beautiful. Looked like maybe 150 years old. And there it was, established. And I just said, there's the Christian. 
that has been holding on to the truth of God. That all around it, battle scars, wounds, trees that had fallen, long since been eaten by the termites and, and, and gone. But there was that tree. And it made me think of Psalm 1 here, that you and I, when we meditate on the Word of God, when we avoid the ways of the, of the wicked, that we will be like a tree firmly planted. And not just firmly planted, but by streams of water. And man, have you ever seen a tree planted by water? Oh man, you, could, you can almost hear it saying. Just, yeah, because it's just like, man, I don't worry about a thing. I don't have to worry about rain. I don't have to worry about the seasons because I'm right next to the water and my roots don't have to go that deep because, man, it's just right there, just feeding, feeding. And that's what God, God is trying to say that, that as a believer, man, we can be firmly set in, in, in our life and then his stream of life is just right there that's constantly feeding the roots of our soul. Can't be shaken. Can't be moved. Firmly planted. And it says, which yields its fruit in its season. And you're going to bear fruit. You're going to leave a mark, whether it be with your children. How many people just waste away today? And what most people suffer with in depression as they think of their lives, as they think about, I haven't left a real legacy. There's been a lot of focus on purpose over the last 20 years. Why? Because it comes right into this. Because we're made to have one. Right there in the garden, God said, be fruitful and multiply. If you're not bearing fruit, you're not going to be happy. You're not fulfilling your created purpose. And believe me, that is going to bear some kind of a mark inside your soul. You're going to feel the absence of it. Can't be filled up with marijuana, alcohol, a sexual relationship without or multiple partners. It can't, none of those things will fill that may feel good to the flesh. And that's why people do these things. And that's why they demand and are pounding on their sword saying, we want more flesh. We want more flesh. But what they'll find in the end is that it never satisfies. And God says, my ways are better ways because they last. And they will bring you a better, deeper fruit. Better answer it. Could be the Lord. Anyway, um, Yields its free fruit, and its leaf does not wither. <laughs> Tell him hi for me, David. Uh, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, it's going to prosper. That leaf is on there. <laughs> Let's get back on mode here. All right. It does not wither. It does not, and, and whatever he does is prospering. See, that, again, is the example of the favor of God. It's, a, it's, it's, it's a, an example. It is the, um, the evidence of the blessing of God. It's prospering. So if your life is prospering, man, you're, you're settled in. You've got the word of God flowing in you, and God has settled you into a place where you, 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 know, you never really have to have to ask. I mean, that whole image of the stream of water right there, you know, that has been a new revelation to me. A new revelation to me. Because I sometimes people look on and they, and they just say, man, well, they just got all the luck. Or, man, they just seem to, everything they do just turns to gold. Or it, it just seems like, you know, you hear that all about luck. And 
But really, when you're following God and you've trusted him and you've given your life, then you're just going to be set right there and it's going to follow you. In other places, you remember, I think it's uh, in another psalm where it says, you know, well, it's Psalm 23, that goodness and mercy are going to follow us all the days of our life. That's what the favor of God looks like. You don't have to beg or plead for it. It's there. It just comes with a daily representation. Planted in the right place. Fruit is going to be born. It's never going to be wasted. Whatever you set your heart to do is going to prosper. Finishing this, it says the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Of course, chaff is just the husk of the fruit, and, and you want it to blow away because it's worthless. has no purpose. And it says the wind is just going to drive it away. And he said, that's what the wicked is like. No fruit. No purpose. Just blown away when that time comes. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. It doesn't mean they're going to not stand in the judgment. What it means is they will not be able to stand. They will have no defense. When God says, look, okay, I'm wrapping this whole thing up. What did you do with my Jesus? What did you do with my answer? What did you do with my gift? There are going to be many who stand there and say, well, we walked with those who were wise. They told us that this Jesus really didn't exist. We went to universities. We got degrees. We got doctorates that told us he never existed. Surprise. And those who will say, well, all I was doing was observing. I I mean, all I was doing is just watching. I never really threw in. He said, no, can't do that. So therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. In other words, they're not going to be there. The wicked will not have the experience of lasting fruit. It will not last. There will not be a legacy. It'll be tainted or even forgotten. And what I mean by tainted is because, you know, yeah, there are people that have passed away and that are celebrated even to this day. You can go to Wikipedia and read about all these famous people that existed and and that did not believe in God, did not, you know, they spent their whole life uh, doing whatever they wanted, walking in hedonism or celebrating paganism or or creating philosophies that are anti-God. And in universities, they're celebrated, they're remembered. I guess they have a legacy. But in the end, it's tainted. In the end, it will not stand. And then finally, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. When we insert the grace of God, we're grateful that we are forgiven and that this blessing is ours. But the point we should get from Psalm 1 is that sin definitely can derail the blessing of God. It can. And so, once again, we're not in this place where we just look at it and say, you're a sinner. Stone them. You're, and, and, and that's one of the things that I think we really need to understand as we embrace, as we prepare to pray for and dig in a little deeper and prepare for this, this new season, this pro, post-Christian era, that the church needs to prepare to realize, look, we can't fight this like the world fights it. We cannot win a war, a culture war, with weapons. And if you think you can, you just never will. 
this is going to have to be one on our knees. And it's going to have to be one with love to embrace people and say, look, I understand that you disagree with what I think, but you know what? It's okay. I don't think you should be imprisoned. I don't think you should be punished or stoned. I don't think anyway. It's just like, look, I love you, and if you keep doing what you're doing, that's fine. Can't stop you. you you're free to do what you want. But when that all falls apart, and you begin to see that the way of the wicked does not produce life, I'll be here. I'll be here, and I'll help you, and I'll love you through it. I'll take you through step by step, dismantling why that, that, uh, those wicked ways have so eaten the lunch of your life. That's the way the church should be postured. Because as in the book of Judges, it will most certainly bear fruit. As our society continues to clamor to have what it wants, there is going to be a fallout. They're going to be wounded. There are going to be, there are going to be disastrous uh, fallout in, in our culture, in people's lives. As a matter of fact, I was reading an article recently that it said it's been, man, like 30, even 40 years where in, in, in America, now you can travel in most third world countries and, and you can run into demonic activity very easily where Satan is either worshipped or um, other, in other religions where it's very easy to see demonic activity. I've been to some of those places. But in the United States, <clears throat> over about the last 30 years, it's not been as overt. And I, and I think it's because the church was strong and it was standing up and it, was, it had solutions to helping people. And, but they're saying that now our society is, is so quickly turning to secularism. It's so quickly, and, and what secularism does is creates a void. And it doesn't just stop there, but now people are interested in the occult. Was it Harvard University that just celebrated a, a, uh, a satanic service on the campus. And you just look at that and say, man, this is what we would consider one of the, you know, our universities of renown. That would be a place of where, where we as a nation would say, Harvard, man, that's our, our intellectual, you know, high ground. And now they're turning to Satan. And you just look at that and you just say, oh, well, man, they're just messing around. Satan doesn't mess around. And so now we see that it's not just fun and games. It's not just philosophies butting heads. But now the enemy is being strengthened. And so church, Christians, people of faith, understand that Jesus died on the cross for you to experience great favor and blessing. It's yours, but it can be forfeited. It can be sidestepped. And so, if you want that, then we need to settle some things in our heart, do we not? Then we need to look at the wisdom of Scripture. We need to take that Scripture and we need to get it in there. We need to read that Bible daily. And it's interesting that how simple the counsel is. The counsel is, you know, don't run around the church seven times and jump seven times and Shout hallelujah and you'll be good. I mean, it doesn't say that. It just says, read the Bible. Meditate on the truths. Ask the Holy Spirit. And of course, we're going New Testament here, but ask the Holy Spirit 
to help you to apply them through your life, pure and simple. So then that blessing can come flooding back in again, flooding back in again. Somebody said that recently. I forgot who it was, but they just said, you know, it's amazing. I think it was you, Dwight. Dwight, you here? Yeah, Dwight, you were saying this. That how, man, just getting your life straight, just dealing with some of these lies and, and how all of a sudden just like a flood of blessing can come in. And that's so true, Dwight, so true. So if you're here today and you've been walking in the path or standing in the way or sitting in the seat, it's time to run away. It's time to get away. It's time to stand up and get out of that seat. And choose which, on this day who you'll serve. And go get in the seat and draw as closely to Christ as you possibly can. Because guess what? It's going to get rough. It's going to get rough. But those who seek him will prosper. Just like that mighty oak by the waters. So that's what will happen to God's people prospering, growing, leaf not withering. In other words, not losing the very things that you worked all your life to have. Isn't that good? So let's stand up this morning and let's ask God to help us to get to that place. Amen. Let's bow our heads. And if I could have our prayer teams please come at this time. And The greatest gift you can give to your mama <laughs> is surrendering to Jesus. That word is for somebody here in this room today. Because you know what I've noticed is mamas, I'm grateful for my mama. She prayed and she prayed and she prayed for me. She hadn't seen me in a long time and the words coming out of my mouth shocked her because about every other one was, you know, an expletive. And she started praying for me. And I surrendered to Jesus. And we need to do that today. So, Lord, we come before you. And, Lord, we want to take very seriously these times. Your word tells us that, God, you speak to us. And you speak to us from many different locations, many different ways, circumstances. You speak to us through the word of God, that still small voice inside us by the Holy Spirit. You speak to us from the pulpit. You speak to us, Lord, from our friends and our neighbors. You're always speaking. Lord, are we listening? Are we perceiving the wisdom of God? I think, Lord, of, of Lazarus and the rich man. And when the rich man was sent to that place of suffering, he begged. He said, can I go back and tell them what I'm experiencing here? Can I go back and warn them? And Jesus said, no. Once your life is done, it's done. And that rich man had many opportunities to hear the word. He said, you have one life, and God is speaking to you. Will we listen? So, Lord, I thank you that everyone in this room today, by virtue of their faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, have available to them the very favor and blessing of God. And, Lord, I'm grateful for that. So, Lord, I pray that, God, if there is any, anything in us, God, that is curious about what the wicked does, Lord, would you divinely distract us? <laughs> the ways of the Lord are good. Taste and see that the Lord is good.
Lord, some of us need to go back to the table and, and taste and take a big piece and a big draught of the love and the favor and the goodness of God. And for us to realize, like tasting again of something that we enjoyed long ago and to say, man, I forgot how good it was. You're so good, Lord. You are amazing. You are amazing. And Lord, may we be captured by your love once again. Lord, some of us in this room, Lord, we have, Lord, forgotten our first love. We have, Lord, forgotten what it is to taste and see the goodness of God. May we come running back right now, all across this room. Just, you know, th- these moments are designed for you. These are, this is your time. And the Holy Spirit is so ready to receive you back and ready to pour out his blessing and favor. And again, all just packaged in the peace of God. It's yours, Christian. So if you're in this room today and you're ready to see the favor of God be poured out on you once again, and I'm not saying, you know, you're acknowledging any kind of sin or anything like that, but you're just ready. You're ready to taste a a new, you want to take a new drought of God today. Just raise your hand up. No one's looking around, but just, and I'm with you, I mean, I'm holding up two hands. Lord, I want a new drought of God. I want to drink I want to eat and taste and see that you're, and experience your goodness, Lord, in my mind and in my will, in my actions. Lord, I want to experience, Lord, you're, you're causing me to will and to do of your good pleasure in every area of my life, Lord. Not just in the ones where people are watching, but in the quietness when no one's looking. May we be aware of of your presence. And God, give us a renewed love and hunger for your word. To get our Bibles out and to read. To read and read and read. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to, to make application in our life. So that, Lord, we could be that tree. That tree. Steadfastly growing next to that, that water. The streams that you provide. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.